Hola, y welcome to Femas Faith. I'm Erika Reynoso, a church kid and pastor's kid, raised in Iglesia Pentecostal, hoping to share encouragement and compassion to struggling church kids like myself. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. I remember the summer when I was 12 years old, summer break, I was on fire for God. I wanted to do everything under the sun for God, to know Him better, to get closer to Him. And so I did something that I never expected myself to do, and that was to fast, to ayunar. You know, during summer summer um, vacation, everybody wants to sleep in, you know, but one day I was like, I'm going to fast. So I woke up at 6 a.m. before, you know, my siblings woke up and and I was praying and I was fasting. Uh, but, you know, during summer vacation, uh, we usually always had uh, the same lunch, hot dogs most days. And I didn't think it would faze me that on that day my mom made hot dogs. And my goal was to fast until 2 p.m. I was going to entregar mi ayuno at 2. And my mom made hot dogs, and I was like, no, I'm going to eat it later, Mom. And so she saved it for me in the microwave. But I would walk by that microwave and keep my eyes on that hot dog because I wanted to eat. (laughs) Um, And the thing is, we always usually ate lunch at 12. But this day, my mom made lunch at 11. So I had to wait three hours to eat it. But you know, I, I couldn't resist anymore. So I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, just gonna, you know, finish my fast here. So it was like 12 p.m. at that point. I ran up to my room. I prayed a little bit. I entregar my uno. Ran back down the, downstairs and I ate my hot dog. I ate it like it was the only hot dog I'd ever eaten. But as soon as I was done eating, like it all hit me that I wanted this day to be a day of fasting. God until 2 p.m., but I couldn't resist the temptation of a hot dog, and all of a sudden, I was overcome with disappointment, with guilt, and with shame, and I ran up to my room. I curled up on my bed, and I was just crying because I felt so deeply that I had disappointed God. I felt so deeply that his wrath was going to consume me because I disappointed him. And when I think about this moment, I feel like that moment summarizes what my relationship has been like with God over the years. One, of fearing his disappointment. And this isn't something that developed in adulthood. It's something that was ingrained in me from a young age. Living a life terrified of disappointing God and living in constant fear that I was going to mess up. And see, the sign of This idea of living a life terrified of disappointing God is a sign that my faith was rooted in fear, not in love. And living in faith rooted in fear is something that we need to think about because John 3.16, which summarizes the gospel, it begins by saying, For God so loved the earth. De tal manera amó Dios al mundo. The very motivation of salvation 
was love. And we were, when we were saved, we were saved to be free of condemnation. And yet, we've been saved and live terrified of it. And I think when we live a life of faith rooted in love, we fear no man and much less God. Now that I'm a mom, I think about what this would be like if our, if my daughter were to live her life terrified of me. Like what if my daughter lived her life terrified of messing up and she lived her life terrified of how I would respond or react to her messing up? That whole idea, it destroys my heart. I wouldn't want my daughter to live like that. And if that's me as a human, imagine God, whose very essence is love. 1 John 4, 16-18 is very key in this. I'm going to read it for you. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Now this next part is key. Listen to this. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If we live afraid, it is because we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So if the essence of who God is, is love. If love was the motivation for our salvation, why then do so many of us that have been saved live in this constant fear of disappointing God? And I think the way that I have come to understand it is that we allow fear to live in our hearts. We allow fear to be a motivator. And we honestly confuse it for love. And that's because we have this distorted view and experience of, of love. We take what we have known to be love in our life and we impose that on God's love. You know, many people live a life or their faith rooted in fear without ever knowing it because in their mind they're living rooted in love and that's because we take what we've experienced it and apply it to who God is so I want to look at first Corinthians 13 it's the most quoted passage about love um because in reality, it defines or shows what love is. But as I read this, I want you to think about the space and time where you began to form this idea of love, what love is. And I'm not talking about, you know, your teenage love, you know, butterflies in my stomach kind of love. No. Like, think about your experience of love growing up. Like, what was love like in your household, in your family, in whatever environment you were in. Because truthfully, 
that is where we begin to define love. And so we're going to see 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to look at it line by line. And with each line, we're going to look at what love is and what love isn't. So 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love is patient and kind. In your early experience of love, did you experience love that was impatient and harsh? Which is the opposite of what the Bible says. It continues, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. But oftentimes the love that is experienced is possessive, arrogant, self-centered, and disrespectful. It says it does not demand its own way. And yet sometimes the love that is experienced is a love that focuses on that person's own needs without consideration of others' needs. Paul continues, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. And yet for many, the experience of love was one that was resentful, that kept the record of every mistake that you made. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And yet many experienced a love that promoted wrongdoing and lies. And the last piece says this, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And yet for many, the love that you experienced, gave up on you, did not believe in you, lost hope in you, and abandoned you when you messed up. So when the love that we have experienced does not look like the love that God offers us, it makes sense that we enter into our faith trying to understand what love is, but all that we have to compare it to is to this very distorted and broken experience of love. And so it's our tendency naturally to take our own experiences of love and apply it to God's. And that's why it's so hard for some of us to understand God's love because his love is not our own experience of love. And so when we try to answer this question, is it possible to disappoint God? We think disappointment. And when we try to live a life rooted in love, but in reality it's rooted in fear, we fear disappointment because we have experienced it ourselves. We know what it's like to react to someone's disappointment to withdraw, to get angry, to get resentful. And we expect that same reaction from God. And for a lot of us, when we've disappointed someone that we love or we've disappointed someone that is supposed to love us, we get their reaction and their response, which is usually abandonment or resentment or anger. And we turn around and we expect that from God. 
I think we need to take a step further in understanding that when we walk with God, there is so much we need to unlearn and so much healing that needs to happen in our heart. We want to mature in our faith because we take we tend to take these human experiences that we have had and impose it on a God that isn't human. Our God is distinct in that he experiences emotions, but he doesn't experience them like we do. So we need to ask the question, does God experience the way that we experience emotions the way that we do? No, he doesn't. And so we try to answer this question, is it possible to disappoint God? We need to take a step back and realize that disappointment is one of the many emotions that we feel towards ourselves and towards other when we have been sinned against. And you see, God, um, you know, we experience a lot of emotions that we feel as a result of us sinning. And God can't feel those emotions. And then there are emotions that we feel as a, as a result of being sinned against, as a result of being hurt. And those emotions, God does know. However, God doesn't respond to offense or harm the way that we do because the very essence of who God is, is love. And I think what proves all of this for me is God's love for Israel. I've been reading through uh, the Bible from the beginning chronologically, and I've been following the story of Israel in a way that I've, I never have before. And it has been so eye-opening to understand what God's love is like towards Israel. And I think the best way to define it is a way that my boss defined it. I work for a Christian nonprofit, and my boss defined love as um, love is the decision of the will to commit. You know, media depicts love as these gushy feelings, as butterflies in your stomach, as a cute love story. But, you know, sure, you feel that when you fall in love, but that isn't what love is in its essence. Because through God's commitment to Israel, you see his love that is a decision that he made to commit to the people of Israel. So it wasn't about always feeling good and, and, and nice, you know? Because it wasn't always good and it wasn't always nice. Israel wasn't always nice to God. And yet God loved them through his commitment to them. Because love is a faithfulness that doesn't depend on a season, on decisions, on emotions, or on actions. Love is a decision you make to commit to another. And God captures this so beautifully in his relationship with Israel. And in recognizing God's love in his relationship with Israel, it depicts the depth of God's love. And I think in it, we find the answer to this question, is it possible to disappoint God? And the answer is no. It's not possible to disappoint God. And I'll tell you why through the story of Israel. 
If you heard my, ep- my seventh episode, Golden Disappointment, I explained what disappointment is. And disappointment is when expectations are not met. It's our response to having expectations or desires go unmet. And for God to experience disappointment, he would have had to have expectations that weren't met by Israel. Israel. Yes, God expected Israel to be obedient and faithful. And yet, what's eye-opening about God is that he held a second expectation. And that is that he also expected, anticipated, and knew that God, that Israel, was going to be unfaithful. He was able to hold these two truths at the same time. See, in Leviticus, God spends some time uh, laying out the law that he wanted Israel to follow while they were in the desert. And, you know, Leviticus is, you know, law after law. And then in chapter 26, chapter 26 of Leviticus is dedicated to the blessings that will come with obedience, but to the consequences that will come with disobedience. So God already had a plan made for when they were obedient, just as he already had a plan set in place for when they would be disobedient. And in Leviticus 26, 14 through 46, it walks through the different consequences that would come with disobedience. And these consequences come in phases. And with each phase of disobedience, it gets the, the consequence is stronger. And yet with every phase, the people of Israel are given an opportunity to repent and to return to the Lord. And so it goes phase after phase, and you get to the deepest level of disobedience to the strongest level of consequence. And even at their worst, God says these words. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. For their sakes, I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. So God's love is evident to Israel and that he remained committed to them. Remember that definition. Love is the decision of the will to commit to another. He committed to them. He was in a deep covenant with them. Even when he foresaw their failings and wrongdoings to him, he still remained in that commitment. He still remained in that love. So what does this teach us about God? It's that he never expected Israel to be perfect. In fact, he knew that they were going to break the covenant. 
And yet he already had a plan in place to love them. He had a plan in place to remain committed to them, even at their worst state of disobedience. And so if he anticipated them to fail him, he couldn't feel disappointed because he already expected it. So what, is, what does this mean for us believers? Um, I think what this means is that God's not disappointed in us. He's not. He desires a closeness with us. He desires faithfulness from us. And yet he already knew that we would fail him. Not just once, he knew that we would fail him time and time again. God can't be disappointed in you when he already knows every mistake, every wrong turn, every attitude, every bad step you're going to take. God already knows it. And yet, he has still committed to you. He made the decision to remain committed to you even in your unfaithfulness. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died knowing the sins that you would commit in the future, in your whole lifetime. You know, he didn't die for your sins up to this moment and then died again for your sins that are going to happen tomorrow in the future. No, he died on the cross already knowing that your spiritual high from last year was going to run out and that you would come into this year feeling, feeling spiritually dead. He already knows the phases of obedience that you will have in your life, just like he already knows the phases of disobedience that you're going to have in your life. He died knowing the entirety of your life and your faithfulness to him, just like the moments when you won't be as faithful. He can't be disappointed in you when he already sees future you at your worst, but still chooses to love you now in your best. The vice versa can't be true. God chooses to love you now at your worst because he already knows the future that he has planned for you. Now, the biggest pushback that I get, well, I I wouldn't get (laughs) The, the biggest pushback in believing you can't disappoint God in this idea, the biggest pushback that there is, is that some believers think that in believing that, you will enable people to sin freely. And I disagree. Because I think in believing that you can't disappoint God, It is going to allow us to come to terms with this reality that failing God and sinning against him is inevitable. As a believer, it is inevitable that you're going to mess up. And it is so important for believers to understand this because I've lost track of the number of people that have come to Christ and have fallen deep in love with God and in their deep love have said, God, I will never fail you. I will always serve you. 
But because failing God is inevitable, the day that they mess up, the day that they go back to a sin that they thought that they had let go, the day that they inevitably fail God, the guilt, the shame, and disappointment towards themselves is so strong to, that they can't bear it. And they just leave church and Christianity entirely because they had this belief that they could live a life without failing God when it is in our nature to stray away. And so when I say you can't disappoint God, I'm not saying <laughs> go out and do what you want. You're not going to disappoint. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God is already anticipating you messing up. And I want you to understand that when you mess up, it's not for you to continue messing up. It's for you to know who you can run to. Because a lot of us, what happens when we have disappointed God, we run away from him and we hide from him. But because all, God already anticipated your next wrongdoing or your next bad step, because he already knew that it was happening, we should feel the freedom to come to him and say, God, you knew this was going to happen and now I'm coming to you repenting from my sin and begging you and asking you that you help me overcome this sin. So when I think back to the story that I shared at the beginning of this episode, you know, I shared about how I thought God was so disappointed in me that I gave in so quickly to temptation when I, as a 12-year-old, <laughs> took a summer vacation day to fast for him. Over the years, God has reminded me of that experience that I had. He's really shaped my understanding around that. And that is that God couldn't have been disappointed in me because he already knew I was going to eat that hot dog. He already knew I, I was going to enjoy it. But I think outside of that, what God has allowed me to understand is that God didn't see me in disappointment because what he saw was the effort I was making as a 12-year-old to seek him, to pursue his heart. He saw how I so willingly sacrificed sleeping in as a 12-year-old so that I could feel closer to him. And so when we begin to understand the power and the depth of God's love, he reminds us of these moments where we thought we disappointed him, and he allows, he allows his love to heal those stories so that we can understand that all along, what he did was take joy in us and who we are. And he's comforted me with this Bible verse, Sophonias 3.17, Zephaniah. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So is it possible to disappoint God? It isn't.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at FaithMassFaith and subscribe to this podcast. Your following and sharing help spread this message of hope and compassion. Gracias y hasta luego.